out. He has never lost a battle. And for that, he is worthy of the glory, the honor, and the praise. Hallelujah. Before you take your seats, come on, hug three people. Hug three people and just let them know Jesus has never lost a battle. Let them know that Jesus has never lost a battle. Good evening, good evening, good evening. So glad to see everybody in the place on tonight. I don't know about y'all, but I get excited when I get a chance to come into the house of the Lord and just to learn more of him because we certainly serve a great God, man. We serve a mighty God. Well, hello, it's me. Uh, It's me on tonight. Uh, Y'all pray for our pastor who's uh, traveling um, for his birthday. He's celebrating his birthday. no turn up, but you celebrate his birthday. All right. Um, but I certainly have the honor and the privilege of uh, ministering to you the word on tonight. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this word, man. It's a it's a good word. It's definitely a hard word. But, you know, I certainly thank God for this word. We are still continuing in the series uh, friend. We're still con- continuing in the series of friend defining friendship. And tonight, tonight, everybody say tonight. We're going to be talking about this subject right here, deserting disciples. We always got to get the ones that got to do with people walking away from Jesus. Deserting disciples, deserting disciples. Um, As you all see, you don't have any papers tonight because I need you to really pay attention to what I'm going to be ministering to you on tonight. But the scripture for tonight comes from John 6, 60 through 29. John 6. 60 to 29, and we're going to we're going to read all of it uh, together. John six, verse 60 through 69 and read now. Holy one of God. So 
before we actually dive into to the scripture, I have to paint this scene for you so you can understand why they came to the conclusion that they came to and how they came to this point. So Jesus at the point was this is the beginning of chapter six and Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. He was being followed by a large group of people. The reason why they were following him is because he had just finished performing great signs and wonders and the one of the most important signs that he was doing, which was healing. Now, do you know that sometimes people will follow you not because of who you are, but because of what you can do? And that you know that there are people who in, will attach themselves to you as long as you're performing for them. See, because the reality is sometimes people are not really with you to be with you. They're with you because you're benefiting them. But the problem is as soon as the benefits stop, all of a sudden now they start acting funny. And the, and the issue that we have when we come across this is that now we find ourselves troubled by the people that we thought were with us. But there's many different things that, that we need to learn and that we need to have. And it's on the screen. The one thing that we need is this word right here. It is discernment. Everybody say discernment. The definition of discernment says the ability to judge well. The ability to judge well. Which means that you can look at a situation and God can give you the discernment you need to judge the situation and say, you know what, either this is what I don't need to be in or two, this is of God. And the problem is when we come into these situations and we see these circumstances, discernment goes right out the window. Psalms 119 and 66, it's on the screen. Psalms 119.66 says, teach me good discernment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments. Touch yourself and say, Lord, give me discernment. Because discernment will give you the information that you need to decipher the difference between if it's of God and if it's not of God. Because sometimes you can find yourself building a circle of people with people who were never really with you. They were only simply benefiting from you. And then you find yourself in the depression because now you're abandoned by people who was never meant to be with you. And in today's time and in today's walk, we have to be very careful, very careful that we don't attach people, attach ourselves to people or allow people to attach themselves to us because of this one thing, dysfunction. You got to be very wise. You got to be very wise that you don't allow yourself to attach to people or people to attach to you because of dysfunction. So Jesus came from Galilee. All of these people was following him because he was performing these signs. He was performing these wonders. He was healing the sick. He was doing all this thing. So they were like, okay, we need to follow this man because clearly this man got the juice. He got it. So we need to follow him. But the thing about it is that um, Jesus decided to go up to the mountainside, right? He said, man, listen, all these people following me, I need to, uh, you know, I need to, 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 to separate myself. So he decides to go up to the mountaintop, right? And he asked Philip. He said, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Which implies that Jesus had already made a decision to feed them. He didn't say, should we? He said, where shall we buy the bread? Where shall we buy the bread to feed these people? Because clearly these people are following me. These people are seeing what I'm doing. And if I want to effectively minister to them, let me go ahead and meet a need for them. Since they're going to follow me, since they're going to be with me, let me go ahead and meet a need for them. But just like that, he asked the people who were with him, he said, what shall we? 
There's a difference. He didn't say if we should. He said, what shall we? Which means that when God gives you an assignment, you don't have time to ask people opinion about the assignment. The only thing you do is you ask their input on how the assignment should be completed. The second thing we need to learn is this. We need this wisdom. We need wisdom. Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge and good judgment. The quality of being wise, the quality of being wise. Proverbs four, verse six and seven says this. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now, I ain't going to lie. I was a little biased. I said, why you got to put wisdom as a female? Hold on now. Talking about some, uh, don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. What? Whatever. But getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. You have to be careful that, like I said earlier, that when you are on assignment, that you don't allow people to talk you out of what God has assigned to your life. Many times, many times, many times, God has spoken something over your life. And because we've allowed people to talk us out God, what God has already spoken, we find ourselves in this repetitive wheel. And one thing I learned about God is he doesn't seem to repeat himself. If you find yourself in this repetitive wheel, it must mean you're not done with the first assignment that he gave you. And you haven't completed the assignment. So you have to evaluate yourself and say, okay, one, do I have people that's around me that's pushing me towards my assignment? Or do I have people that's pulling me away from my assignment? There's many people in today's society, especially in the life of the believer, that say, why is it that I keep going through this repetitive cycle? Why is it that I keep? Because did you know that God will cause you to repeat seasons? Especially if you don't utilize wisdom in your assignment, in your dealings, in your day-to-day walk, that you'll find yourself repeating seasons. But everybody say wisdom. Listen, I ain't going to be long before you tonight, okay? I'm going to try to get, give you the word, uh, and you get, get going, and you let the word apply to you, okay? You let it marinate in your spirit, because uh, I give you the word, and God does the rest, and you, you work that out between you and God. Now, when Jesus saw, when Jesus saw that the people were following, he decided to give them, he said, what shall we feed them? He used wisdom to ask Philip because he did not want to really consider Philip's opinion in the situation. What he did was he asked Philip a very strategic question. My question to you is, are you questioning the people around you to really see if they're really with you? He said, what shall we? What shall we buy them? Because sometimes if you stop long enough and question the people around you, you can check their motives and see if they're really with you. Because Philip, Philip was like, uh, man, you know how long it's going to take? Philip said it's going to take like a year's worth of wages to feed these people. He's like, man, what, he, what happened was instead of seeing the miracle, he saw the obstacle. And a lot of times... Are we listening to people's limitations and allowing their limitations on on their life to start infecting our lives? Because when God has spoken, that means God has already said that you can do it. If he's given you the assignment, that means you can do it, which means go after that business. If God spoke it, go after it. Go after that marriage because you. Okay. Okay, you know, I got to take a turn. All right. This is what I don't like. Right. I'm just being, I'm just, 
Y'all gonna let me be me? Let me be me, okay? This one I like. Back in my pre-club days, right? Uh, no, my pre-turn-up days, right? Uh, whatever. So, and I, I used to despise, like, if I would walk up to a young lady and I would talk to her and I would introduce myself, right? Hey, you know, nice guy. Yay, you know, I'm interested. And what I, when, I, um, when I say I despise this is that if she has a friend with her that tells her, don't talk to him. First and foremost, you don't know me. So you got no room to say nothing about me because you don't know that I'm a blessing. I'm about to bless this woman's life because of the favor that's, that's up on me. But sometimes we can listen to the council of fools that talk us right out our blessing. See, I got to make it live for y'all. I got to make it live for you. And you got to be very careful that you don't allow people to talk you out. The blessings that God God's getting ready to bestow upon your life. You got to check your circles and check the people around you to make sure that they really with you to see you grow. Because of the limitations in her life, because she, she miserable, she don't want her friend to be happy. And that's the same thing. Sometimes people don't want you to be happy and grow with God because of the limitations they got going on in their life. I just had to make it live for you. Y'all get it. Wisdom. 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 Now, yeah, I, I had to throw that in there. Oh, but with the marriage, make sure you go get counseling first. Now, that's wisdom. Don't just marry somebody just to marry them. But go get counseling to someone who's credible preferably your spiritual leader, you know, don't ask your friends. For, no, go to somebody who's credible and then God will lead you and give you wisdom. All right, so the first thing we need is what? Discernment. The second thing we need is what? And this one we need right here is this one word right here. Isolation. We need isolation. We need isolation. We definitely need isolation. And... I know some people are saying, but you shouldn't isolate yourself. You have to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the body of believers. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that's going to encourage you. Let me, let me break this part down for you. We need isolation. The word isolation means the process or fact of isolating or being, or being isolated. But another translation says this, setting apart. You have to learn how to be, set yourself apart. You have to learn how to set yourself apart. Because here it is, right? Jesus had already declared. He said that, I'm, what should I feed these people? And what he did was he asked these people these questions to see where they were at. He asked a couple of disciples, how should we do this? And what they did was they gave limitations. So there are certain times that you have to learn how to isolate yourself from, from people who are not trying to push you towards your destiny or push you towards your purpose. You have to set yourself apart. And when you set yourself apart, you're setting yourself apart from them, but you're not setting yourself apart from God. Proverbs 91 is a very familiar scripture verses one and two. It's a very familiar scripture. And I want all of us to read this scripture together. Everybody read. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Most of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Because even Jesus had to separate Himself from His people. 
even Jesus had to say, you know what? I got to step away from y'all. I need to go pray. I need to go seek my father because I need God to pour into me because clearly right now y'all are tripping. You guys are not allowing me to do what I need to do to go further and to move forward in what I need to do for God. What are you guys doing? You're giving me your limitations and you're causing me. Well, you wouldn't cause Jesus to stumble anyway because his mind is made up. But I'm talking about us, that he, people may cause you to stumble and to miss what God is trying to do in your life. Even Jesus had to go to the garden and pray. Even Jesus had to separate himself from his disciples. And you have to learn how to isolate yourself from people just to seek the presence of God. So after Jesus feeds the men and women and children, he noticed that they were going to make him king. Now, remember, the title of this was Deserting Disciples. Now, understand that he fed them. He was healing them. They started following him. And then he gets to this place where they're like, okay, we need to make him our king. Jesus is doing this great thing. We need to make him our king. So what he did was he withdrew himself to the side of the mountain because sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we can seek God's providing hand, but not his saving grace. It's almost like the people who go to resource centers to get help with housing, utilities, child care, but refuse the counseling session to help them not need the services that they're using. We have to be careful not to get caught up in God's performance and get drawn more to his presence. I'm going to say that again. We have to be careful that we're not caught up in God's performance and we get drawn more to his presence. Now, I'm still setting the scene for you. Jesus healing people. Okay, they following him. So he said, okay, let me feed him. He fed him, right? So Jesus fed him. They said, okay, we need to make this guy our king. This, this Jesus guy, he's doing some great things. We need to make him our king. We need to lift him up because obviously this guy is going to meet a need. And Jesus said, uh-uh, not doing that. No, I need to withdraw myself because I see you guys are after what I can do rather than who I am. So he withdrew himself, right? So now we go down to verse number 16 and his disciples. Now, after his disciples seen all of this, they decided to cross the lake of Capernaum. I had to look this up. Capernaum was a fishing village in the time of Hasmoneans located at the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. That was a fun fact. It has nothing to do with this Bible study. I just thought it was a fun fact, and I liked it, so I put it in there. And in verse number 18 through 21, it says, A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to him, said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. They were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Now I have a question for you. When Jesus finished performance, miracles, signs, wonders, and things in our life, do we have the mentality that now I got it and now we separate ourselves from him? We have a tendency that when Jesus delivers us from one situation or we feel like he's done something for us, we tend to now, okay, I got it. And now you tend to try to go on and do things on your own. So what they did was they went out and they rode about three or four miles. And the Bible says that storm hit. Every time they get in a boat, it just seems like a storm will hit, which means that every time you're trying to get into something without Jesus, you are always giving hit with storms. 
Every time you try to separate yourself from God, understand that the storm is getting ready to take you out because that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to think that you got it on your own. You can do it by yourself. And then what happens? Boom, here comes a storm. But I am so glad. I am so glad. I don't know if you're glad, but I'm so glad that even when I try to separate myself from Jesus, that he comes and he finds me in the midst of the storm. The Bible says that they reach the shore immediately. That means when Jesus shows up, there's some things that he does immediately in your life. I know for me that there's certain things that he's done immediately for me because of the fact that I allowed him in. And I know there's a testimony sitting out in this crowd right now that can say that when I allowed Jesus to come into my life, there were certain things that he immediately did for me. The reality is, is that Jesus is always ready to perform a miracle for you and I. But the reality is, are you willing to let him in? Are you going to let him in? Now, all throughout the Gospels, there were so many different signs, so many different signs that Jesus performed. He fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. He walked on water. Bible says that when he entered the boat, the boat went to the land immediately and the land was miles away. So the next day, the next day, the next day, after Jesus went in the boat and he crossed the sea, the next day they found him. And it was like, oh, rabbi, when did you get here? Oh, rabbi. And I was like, rabbi, how can you call him rabbi when he wasn't teaching anything? All he was doing was performing signs and miracles. So I kind of wrestled with it. I was like, yo, they're, they're complimenting him something that they really don't know of him. And I'm like, what does this really mean? Please be careful of people who try to flatter a blessing out of you. They will try to compliment you to build you up just so they can get something about you. Ladies, you already know you're beautiful. You already know you're wonderfully made. And if you don't, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. So you don't have to fall for anybody trying to tell you that just to, I'm not going to finish the sentence. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. All right? Fellas, you are men of valor. I'm telling you, boy, it's, it's hard. Out. Don't, let, don't let them fool you. Don't let them play you. Next thing you be paying rent, light bills, car note. <laughs> and then you broke. Don't let nobody flatter you, out, flatter a blessing out you. Be wise. <laughs> I had to make it live for y'all. Listen, I'm going <laughs> to make it live for y'all. Because we, we living in the times that this is the reality. This is what's happening. It's people that's going to try to play you to get something out of you. And sometimes they'll play on your emotions. They'll play on your insecurities. They'll play on all of these things just to get something out of you. But I'm here to tell you that God has already given you your label. You are a child of the most high God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. You are an heir to the throne of grace. You are a king's kid. This is who you are. So be careful of people who try to flatter a blessing out you especially if they don't know you like for me i have this thing where i don't like people calling me pet names if you don't know me it just bothers me i it, I don't, it just it just bothers me don't call me babe you don't know me okay don't don't do that i don't know you okay and don't call me that because then in my mind you what you want what you want you want something and uh the fool that used to be written has been <laughs> peeled off <laughs> I got the mind that is what? In Christ. There, you didn't even see it. There it is. So, back to the Bible. Uh, Jesus answered in verse number 26. He says this, right? And this, we're going to kind of jump uh, from scripture to scripture, but I just need you to see something. I just need you to see something. So, verse number 
26 through 28. We're going to read it, and then we're going to jump to 35, 51, and 60. But first, we're going to read this, and I want to paint this picture for you. Verse number 26, everybody read. Right there. Uh, so now Jesus is saying for you, you looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate and had your fill. 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 You ever had a time where you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden they know how to push their emotions and push everything on you? And now they feel better about themselves, but you left Burton down. How they can sap you of everything that you have, s get themselves satisfied, and all of a sudden, now they good, and now you left. Like, dang, I'm more stressed out than they are. Jesus called it out immediately. He said, listen, you ain't trying to find me because of the signs and the miracles of seeing who really I am. It's because I filled your belly, and now you're happy. That's the only reason why you're seeking me. So now, stay with me. Now, he just told him, he said, do not labor for food for it spoils. Do not labor for food for it spoils. Stop laboring for stuff that spoils. Stop laboring over these relationships that's just going to spoil. Stop, labor, stop laboring over these career choices that's just going to spoil because who is your provider? Stop laboring over these things that are so carnal, that is so materialistic because what? They will spoil because at the end of the day, there's something that will never spoil but I'm getting ahead of myself. So now we're in verse number 35. We're in verse number 35. Everybody read. Stop right there. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Make it simple for you. When was the last time you was in the presence of God and you was hungry? When was the last time you was in the presence of God and you was thirsty? Because there's something about being in the presence of God where he satisfies you. He satisfies your longings. He satisfies your souls. He satisfies every need that you could ever have. And Jesus is saying, if you could ever find yourself just really consistently getting in my presence, there's something that I can give you that will never spoil, that I can satisfy your hunger. I can satisfy your thirst. And anything that you could ever need, I can give you that. He says that I am the bread of life. Everybody say, Jesus is the bread of life. So now go to verse number 51. Go to verse number 51, and we're going to read this together. Everybody read. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live what? Forever. 
Whoever eats this bread will live forever. He's talking about salvation. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh for which I gave for the life of the world. Remember, Jesus was the only 100% man and 100% God all at the same time. He says, I will give for the life of the world. Now, this is where it takes a turn. So remember, all this, the scripture was 60 through 69. But I, what I had to do is I had to paint a picture for you. We literally just talked all the way down John 6 where he was performing signs. He went and saw the disciples, saw about them when they crossed the, um, the water. The people who were hungry, he fed them. Um, now we're getting to a place where Jesus is. Now he's actually teaching them, letting them know, hey, I know I fed you. I know I gave you something to eat, but there's something that I could give you that's better than food. I, there's something I could give you that's way better than that. And now he tells them that I am the bread of life, and if you eat of me, you will live forever. But check out the response. Check out the response of this. Verse number 60, verse number 60, and I want everybody to read this. Everybody read. Mm. You're telling me that y'all just went through all of this. You saw all the signs and wonders, right, of what Jesus did. And all of a sudden, your first response is, who can accept it? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody that accepts all you did for them? I mean, it wasn't your tax return. It was y'all tax return. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't I was getting something to eat. I said, we getting us something to eat, you know. But the minute you ask for a little bit of reciprocity, all of a sudden, it's a problem. The minute you ask for a little bit of reciprocity, that's too hard. I can't do that. Because the issue is that a lot of times as believers, we want this one thing, and it's on the screen. We want miracles without discipleship. We want the miracles without discipleship. We want God's providing hand, but we don't want his changing hand. We want him to perform miracles and signs and wonders at the same time while we can stay in who we are. But I've come, but I've come to know this one thing is that when it comes to discipleship, discipleship costs. Discipleship will cost you your friendships. Discipleship will cost your relationships. Discipleship will cost you even your mindsets. Discipleship will cost you your habits. Sometimes discipleship will cost you even some of your prized possessions. The Bible talked about a rich young ruler who came to Jesus that said, what must I do to follow you? Y'all remember the story about the rich young ruler. He said, what must I do to follow you, Jesus? Jesus said, sell all your things, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Give everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible said, what? The ruler went away. The rich young ruler went away sad. Because sometimes we can put so much faith in the things we possess, not realizing that we serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I look at Job, and I look at what Job went through. The man was, I mean, he was balling. That man was balling. Beautiful family, wife, cattle, sheep, camels. He had everything. And for everything to be stripped away from him, and not one time did he curse God. Not one time did he curse God. And we have to get to a point that we understand that, listen, discipleship will cost you. 
it is going to cost you. It is going to cost you. Because any person, and this is what Jesus said, any person that put his hand to the plow but looks back, not fit. Every time, every, anything in the Bible that has to do with looking back has been problems. Come on, Lot's wife. <laughs> Come on now. Because sometimes when you look back too much, you'll find yourself salty because you keep your eyes on what was instead of looking at what's, what's about to be. First thing is discipleship costs. Discipleship costs. Number two, discipleship does this. Makes you accountable for your own actions. Discipleship makes you accountable for your own actions. To where you can no longer blame people for your mess and your folly. You got to say, you know what? Lord, it's me. I'm the one with an issue. Have you ever met somebody that no matter what you tell them, they can't see that they're wrong? I mean, I mean, you, you paint the picture. You type it out. I mean, you show previews. You show videos. No matter what you say. I don't see it, though. No, I don't see it. <laughs> what do you mean you don't see it? What do you mean you don't see it? But when you're truly discipled and you're person seeking truly after God, discipleship will make you accountable for your own actions. Where you'll start to question your habits. You'll start to question your circles. You'll start to question how you treat people. How you speak to people. Discipleship will make you question those things when you're truly discipled. Why? Because as believers, we're looking to please God. We're looking to satisfy God. We're looking to make sure that God is pleased with whatever we do. Because we said we love him. We said we love him. Discipleship makes you accountable for your own actions. And here's another thing that discipleship will do. Discipleship makes you grow. Discipleship will make you grow. The problem with growth is growth makes you responsible. Because when you gain knowledge and wisdom, you now become responsible over that. And a lot of times the reason why some believers don't want to grow is because they don't want to be responsible. Sometimes believers don't want to grow because they still want to keep an audience of misery, of pity, of sorrow. Because if I grow and you see me grow, now you're going to hold me accountable for my growth. And what happened is as soon as Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I, I have a bread that you eat and you'll live forever. They say, oh, nah, player, that's too hard. I can't do that. No, nah, I don't want that. I don't want that. Why? Because I'm going to have to be responsible once I start following you. Because there is no way that you can follow Jesus and not change. There is no, listen. There is no way that you can truly follow Jesus and then you not change. There's, it's Im I'm telling you, it is impossible. When Jesus truly is on the inside of you, there's something that will even keep you up at night that you're wrestling with, where you're trying to get some sleep, and then all you hear the Holy Spirit saying, now you know you was wrong. Now you know you was wrong. You know you, I'm not trying to hear that right now, please. And it'll keep you up all night. You wrestling with that thing because it is impossible to follow Jesus and not change. When you got that Holy Spirit, let me tell you that thing is it's powerful. It's powerful. Sometimes you be thinking of stuff, you be like, where did that come from? Clearly it ain't me because I ain't that bright. So there got to be the Holy Spirit. Gots to be the Holy Spirit. 
But the great thing about what ended up happening is this. Remember, when he said many of his disciples, we're not talking about the 12. He said many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. Which means that there are going to be people, guess what, that are going to walk away from you when you decide to grow. There's going to be people that say, oh, you acting funny. Oh, you think you better than us. Oh, you think you, you all high and righteous. It's not that. It's just that I want to be a disciple. I don't want to be a deserting disciple. And the great thing about this is that these last two scriptures really blessed me. It was verse 66 through 69. And I want all of us to read this and I want us to read it proud and with conviction. Read. He said, we have come to believe and to know. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God, which means that God will always paint the picture for you, but it's your responsibility to come to that knowing of who he is. So I just got one thing to tell you, and is this. It's on the screen. Just press it. Two, one. Follow Jesus. I know it's not you. This internet, Comcast, y'all know. Be tripping. But follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Don't be like the deserting disciples that the minute he asks you to follow him, now all of a sudden, nah, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. Just like Simon Peter said, we have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. How many people know that he is the Holy One of God? He is the one who was, is, and is to come. The lover of your soul. The savior of your life. The risen king. He is our master. He is our ruler. He is our prince of peace. He is our comforter. He is our present help. He is the great I am. And I am so glad that I serve Jesus Christ. So saints, please, please, please do not be like the deserting disciples. Follow Jesus. Following Jesus will cost you something. But I know a God that he'll give you double for your trouble. <laughs> Told y'all. Let's all stand. <laughs> listen, when I, um, when I was studying this word, man, God, man, listen. There's so many ways that we find ourselves deserting, deserting Christ um, that we don't even realize, but we always have to bring it back to what it is. But if you have a constant communication and a constant devotion and you're constantly in turn with God, trust me, he'll always take you.